good to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to bring God's word to you. We were going to do this last week, so I got an extra week to worry about it. I don't think that means it's better prepared. I think it means it's just more worried over. For weeks we look forward to Christmas, focusing on God being made flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus being born in this world to save us. But today we focus on the, what the Lord Jesus is doing now as the gospel is proclaimed. He is rescuing sinners and building his church. And as Jesus changes our relationship with God, he changes our relationship to each other, binding us together as the family of God, his church. Our text this morning is perhaps the classic text on how this new relationship works with Christ's church. So let's read it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, it's a fairly lengthy passage, uh, beginning with verse 12 and going down through verse 27. The body is a unit, though it is made of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. The whole body, if, if the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of his body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with greater honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part re re rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. There are three simple truths that uh, are woven through this passage. The first one is this, that God himself joined us together. God himself joined us together. In almost everything we do, there comes a time when we ask ourselves, how did I ever get into this? That, that's a common experience uh, from being married to uh, agreeing to coach a little league uh, ball team, uh, from, from being in the career we're in, or uh, uh, being at some dumb party, 
How did I ever let myself get into this? And the answer to that question will determine um, how committed we are to stick with it when problems arise. So the day will probably come when you look at the church around you and say, how did I ever get into this? And when that question arises, your commitment and your staying power are all waiting expectantly for an answer. So what's the answer? How did you get into this? What our text says, God himself joined us together. God himself joined us together. This passage suggests several ways in which that's true. He says God joins us to Jesus by Jesus dying on the cross. In verse 27 of of our text, Christians are called the body of Christ. How do we ever become the body of Christ? Well, there was another body, and that body hung on the cross and died for us, that we might belong to him. So Jesus suffering in his body, dying on the cross to pay for our sin, was God's plan to reclaim us lost sinners. But you see, there's an inseparable a union between Jesus sacrificing his body on the cross for us and us becoming part of his life, including his life, part of his body. God himself joined us together. Then our text talks about another way God joins us by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what began on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his spirit to his church to empower us. Verse 13 speaks of this. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Baptism is a beginning point for our life as a Christian. Baptism in water is a sign of our identification with Jesus. It's the visible line of demarcation between those who are outside of Christ and those who've been cleansed and made new in him. Baptism, the sign. But the text, but the act of God giving his Holy Spirit and thus joining us to Christ is not a sign like baptism. It is the reality of being joined to Christ. Being given new resurrection life. Being indwelt, filled by God's Holy Spirit. So Romans 8 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to him. God himself powerfully joined us together. One more way in which that's true. God joined us by his providence. At this point you may say, Admittedly, God made me part of the whole body of Christ, but that doesn't have anything to do with being part of this particular congregation. Well, yes and no. I would never want to make light of the great care with which you made a decision to come here. Nor would I ever suggest that there might be no other churches that you could be part of. Nor would I deny that God might at some time lead us somewhere else. Nonetheless, Verse 18 says, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. In other words, God put you here and put me here. 
He may have used many factors, some noble, some strange. But God has ordered the affairs of your life and my life to bring us together in this church. Think of the string of events which brought you here. For me, it's quite an interesting string, but I'm not going to tell you all this morning. But, uh, but, but think of the things that happened, the things that were said, whatever, what accidental things, whatever it might have been that made you end up here. And see if you don't agree with Proverbs 16:9 that says, In the heart a man plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. So it was with the church at Corinth. This passage is not written to the church in general. It was written to a local congregation of people with problems. People with names. Stephanus, Crispus, Gaius, Fortunatus. To these people in this little congregation having trouble with one another, Paul writes that God has put you there just as he pleased. He has arranged the members of his body as he wants them. Brothers and sisters, this matter of how we came together determines what it will take to tear us apart. We make a point of this in the marriage ceremony. Where the pastor will say, what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. So this morning I remind you that God joined us together. It was part of the work of Christ on the cross. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. And now, it, in God's providence, we have come together in this church. What God has joined together, we are not free to tear apart. Now it's important that we learn that truth because the second truth of this passage will just drive you crazy. And that's this. God intentionally God intentionally made us all different. God intentionally made us all different. Most of the problems that arise in the church center on the differences between us. The closer we get to one another, the more we see how really different we are, and the less agreeable that becomes to us. And it's true, we really are different, every one of us. I vividly remember a, a conversation with a pastor friend back in New Jersey years ago. It just stuck in my mind as we talked about ministry. He continually used the word conform. Big word, conform. He, 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 was, he was very concerned to get the people of his church to conform to his ideas, to conform to his way of doing things, to conform to his plans, to conform, conform, conform to every, whatever he's doing. Now that brother failed to see the beauty of the diversity in which, which Christ has created in his church. For though God is conforming us to his Son in righteousness and holiness and truth, God isn't even trying to make us all alike, to conform us to one another. This is not to say, live like you want, want God doesn't care. Oh no, God has called us to truth in belief and righteousness in our lifestyle. But within those parameters, 
God intentionally made us different. Some are thinkers. Some are doers. Some are organized and efficient. Some are in constant disarray. Some are boisterous and active, and some must have quiet contemplation. God just made us different. To illustrate this truth, Paul points us to the human body. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part of it, but of many. Then verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now to say there is diversity in the human body is an understatement. Compare for a moment the foot and the face. How could they be, how could they even think that they might belong in the same body? The face wants to show itself off and give a smile to everyone, look pretty, and the foot doesn't want anyone to see it at all. The face wants to hang out with people to see and be seen. The foot just wants to get moving. Obviously, these two members have nothing in common. One of them is going to have to leave the church. Oh, no. Or, or compare the eye and the ear and the nose. Now, this is a strange threesome. The eye is proud of the fact that it sees everything. It's the light of the body. But there are whole worlds unseen by the eye. The nose is a world of fragrances. The ears, world of sounds. Here, three members seem to have nothing in common. They don't look alike. They don't experience the same, the same things. In fact, none of them have the capacity to experience the world as the other, others experience it. So it's a big mistake for them to try to function in the same body. Right? No. We only have to think of such examples for a moment. To understand that God has designed our diversity, our diverse, diversity, and it is not bad, it is good. The body needs all its functions, but they necessarily come from completely different members of the body. And yet, Christ, and yet in Christ's church, we want to gather everyone into homogeneous groups. Have you ever noticed that? All the eyes gravitate to the Thing of Beauty con congregation, a place of, full of visual arts, beauty. And all the ears join the Joyful Sound congregation, known for its sacred music, and sometimes other music, and maybe even sermons. And all the hands become members of the Christian Action congregation, where people don't talk much about theology, they just get the job done. But don't you see, God did not make it that way. He intentionally made us different. Then he placed us with all of our sordid differences into one body. So if God made you a toe, you're a toe saint. 
That means run like crazy. Don't try not to smell too bad. And don't get bent out of shape if somebody steps on you because that's what happens to toes. And if you're an ear, then you're an ear saint. So listen up. Remember, you and your partner are the only ones listening for the whole, con the whole body. But don't get upset when they talk about how beautiful the sunset was and you didn't hear a thing. You're near. God intentionally made us all different. Finally, a third point. We need each other. We need each other. So why the diversity? Is it just for colorful effect? No, we need each other. The point of the diversity is the success of the whole task of the body. The body has different parts, so it will be able to function. Did you know that no matter how many fingers you have, maybe you have extra fingers, no matter how many fingers, you cannot pick up anything without a thumb. And the thumb is even opposed to you. Like the diversity in your hand, we members of Christ's body need each other, even those who seem to be opposed to us. Our temptation is to think that diversity means independence. Because I'm different, I don't have to participate. I'll just do my own thing, something for people like me. But the point of the diversity is not an independence, it's total dependence. Working in a coordinated way for one purpose. I don't have to know how to do everything. There's other people that do those things. I have to do what I do. We need each other. Using Paul's example of the body, we can see that. Sometimes we work more closely with one part of the body than another. A foot knows it works with the ankle. Yet it would be wrong to conclude that because the foot and the ankle get along together, they don't need the back or they don't need the eyes. What do you, how do you think you're going anywhere? The point is that no part of the body is an end in itself. No part of the goal is the whole. Instead, each part exists not for itself, but for the sake of the whole body. Not to serve itself, but to serve the body. Now, we tend to violate that unity in two ways. One is we're tempted to say, well, you don't need me. You don't need me. Because I'm different, I don't fit, uh, I'm unimportant, you don't, need, you don't need me. That's a problem the, the Apostle Paul addresses in verse 15 and following. He, he writes, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, because I'm not an eye, I'm sorry, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Some of you feel this way, undoubtedly. 
You feel different? You wonder if you fit? This morning, I would say to you, praise God that he put you here. Otherwise, we have no one to do what you do. To see things the way you see them. Do not pull away. Or you will impoverish the body. We need you. The other pitfall we fall into is the opposite. We get so impressed with our own gifts and our own expertise that we begin to feel like, I don't really need you. This is not, you don't need me. I don't need you. That's the problem addressed in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. There's an interesting point here. If you, take, if you tend to think of yourself as really important and deserving of attention, remember that the parts of the body which need the most attention are the weakest, the ugliest, and the least useful parts. I'll give you my favorite example. You've heard it before, some of you. The hair. What function does the hair have? We can live without it. A lot of people live without it. But think of the honor we give it. Think of the time and money we spend on it. So would it be right for the hair to say, I'm more important even than the hand, because the hand has to serve me? That's absurd. Who would ever trade your hand for more hair? And yet, the body is often judged by how the hair looks, isn't it? Similarly, you can measure the love and unity of a church by how well it cares for its hair-like members. This morning I call you to repentance where you have violated this truth. If you had said, I'm not anyone important to the body, you are wrong. You're contradicting the Lord himself. On the other hand, if you have said, I don't need you, you're also wrong. That person is probably exactly what you need, and that's why God put him or her in your life. We need each other. This chapter is profound. We could spend a lot of time here. In fact, I encourage you to just read this thing and think about the implications of it. It's a very earthy kind of illustration that Paul uses about the church as a body with all its unity and its diversity. It will transform your view of the church. It will make you glory in the beauty of God's wisdom and grace. So in summary, the passage gives us three simple truths. First of all, God himself joined us together in this relationship that he calls his church. So don't you dare divide that. If you do, you are dividing Christ. Secondly, God intentionally made us different. So don't you dare try to make everyone alike. 
God delights in our differences. And thirdly, we need each other. And you are no exception. We need you. But neither is that person who drives you crazy. We need him too. Amen. Father, we can talk about these things, but living them are just so difficult. We run up against problems time after time. Seemingly, they never go away. Our differences, the way we think, the things we, the, the strengths and weaknesses, Lord, they just always get in the way. And yet, you've called us, you've told us we're part of one body, with one spirit, one savior, one task. So Lord, grant us the wisdom, the new heart, the new mind to think the way you think about your church. Thank you for this church. You've blessed us so. You've blessed us with such diverse people. You've given us such wonderful harmony for many, many years. Thank you, Lord. May it never stop. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.